seen dynamic shifts in societal attitudes toward female autonomy, divorce, reproductive rights, and the very definition of marriage. Along with it, more and more people are making the conscious choice to live their lives child-free. We're here to unpack the complexities of this life choice and say the things that we can't say anywhere else. Greetings, and welcome to another episode of Not Just Sleeping In. I'm Tiger. And I'm Lee, and each week we gather in our secret child-free compounds and discuss all the things about this pretty crucial life choice that we've made. This week, it takes a village. Uh, As the definition of community continues to shift and change, it's uh, interesting to ask, what is our responsibility as child-free people to children in our communities? Uh, We look at some historical social structures and discuss kind of where we fit in um now and where we'd like to go so much interesting and and spoiler alert we do not necessarily agree on all this stuff too which is going to be super exciting um but first (laughs) the most important question tiger uh how late you sleep in this week i slept in until 9 30 this morning that was it that was your late one single digits yeah i know i'm such a disappointment my cats woke me up (laughs) look uh, those little fur babies need love, which is why I don't have any. Um, I've got lots of love to give <laughs> after I'm conscious. Uh, yeah. Um, which that's a whole other episode I'll get to at some point. Um, yeah, it's been interesting this week. You know what? Um, yeah, this week I think it was 11, but that was nice. because, um, I don't know, but I'm big. Like, you know, in these hashtag trouble times we live in, I've been in a big kick of like, all I really want are like, uh, like sci-fi fantasy shows, um, 80s sitcoms, um, and like weird documentaries. So, um, the partner and I just decided to tackle the challenger documentary, um, and thinking it was a feature, not realizing it was four parts, uh, and then found ourselves thoroughly engrossed and stayed up till like four in the morning. <laughs> just cause oh, we're, no. we're like, we've got to finish. We've got to finish. Like, uh, oh, finishing it, something with an ending that, you know, is so unpleasant. Yeah. But uh, to their credit, uh, not that the, that's what this podcast is about at all, but you know, it's, they kind of deal with the whole, Hey, you were probably a little kid and watch this live. Uh, and then it jumps into a lot more of the fallout and kind of the, um, you know, the commission behind it and the government intrigue that happened around the kind of resolution of it, um, which is all stuff that was kind of, you know, as someone who was, you know, uh, five years old at the time, completely lost on me. But, um, yeah, it's a, it was interesting. But, you know, all of a sudden we find ourselves in what, you know, in the before times was, you know, coming home from the old goth club. 4 a.m., but we were just severely rattled, so I managed to just transpose my uh, bi- my biological clock six hours uh, to getting up at 11. Um, nice. That one time, but you know, I but I earned it with tears, Tiger. Hard fought tears. Um, oh no. <laughs> I mean, how do you not? Uh, remember when that was the worst thing that had ever happened? Uh, <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Oh Sorry. my gosh. Um, uh, and with so, that, <laughs> yeah, and with that, let's let's brighten this right up with the history of everything. No, um, and again, we we don't want to get too buried in the weeds here. There's a lot 
to kind of jump through. I want to go ahead and a lot of this stuff and some of the genesis even of the podcast um, came from both of us reading a, a very interesting book, uh, Marriage of History, um, by Stephanie Kuntz, uh, which helped kind of really thoroughly uh, dissect the idea that what we think of, and again, uh, as we're nearing election season, a lot of folks, the, the idea of a traditional family and the traditional community um, gets thrown around a lot. And when you start actually going through histories, and the funny thing is then some histories, you know, the old histories written by the winners and all that, uh, when you dig really deep into letters and correspondences, you really kind of get a weird picture that life has, has always kind of been changing and shifting a little bit, uh, even when there are these big structures that have kind of guided um, us living together, um, you know, once we crawled out of the mud. Yeah. Um, Things like marriage and family and community take on different definitions throughout time and depending on the culture you Yeah, and it's very interesting, particularly when a, a lot of people uh, love to refer back to ancient texts, uh, either in a Judeo-Christian way uh, or in an Eastern way, uh, to, to justify uh, laws and things now. And you're just kind of like, wait, this means very different things. Uh, 5,000 years later. Um, but yeah, it's, but at some point, Tiger, we all started to kind of gather together, right? Very small, tribal, nomadic, you know? And everybody there is in very close quarters. Mm -hmm. um, you've got different people. Like the idea of even a single monogamous partner or a wife gets, when you start looking at the very var varieties around the globe is... Yeah. Crazy. And yeah. And then we start to, in Western Europe, there's a very feudal, rural kind of small knit communities. Again, a lot of it based around like, hey, do we have enough food to it's eat? It's the shift from hunter gatherer um, to um, agricultural societies. And, you know, there's always people in power. Hey, uh, turns out a lot of them were men, <laughs> or most of them, almost dominantly. In all cultures <laughs> throughout the history of the world, um, but and then the rich and things, uh, the rules of course are different from the top down as they always tend to be a little bit. Um, and then you kind of again, small family units, close knit. It's the people directly around you, um, either based on who's got the money or eventually uh, the church. Right as Which the church again, starts just who to. Has the money. <laughs> right exactly it's, it's all about it's um, all about gathering around resources right like at its very base you know as we move from that agricultural society to an industrial one the way that we allocate and think of resources becomes different enter things like capitalism and suddenly it's it's more like this idea of multi-generational family units it's yeah. um you know it's that it's that early industrial period you know people people who don't have money they actually put off marriage and they put off finding their communities they they move around to find their fortune or to train up in a trade right yeah so that I, I, influences their circle the circle becomes much less defined yeah and i think that that's really interesting i think that a lot of people um you know as we think of kind of the old system of either 
you know, arranged marriages, your parents picking your partners, and then into kind of like the idea of the love marriage is very new. And uh, one of the things that we always assume is that even within our lifetimes, like my parents were uh, old maids uh, at 25 when they had me finally, like all of their friend group in the seventies had just cranked kids out anywhere between like 18 and 22. And it was fascinating to me to kind of find out that even like pre like the dawn of industrialization in Western Europe, you have the idea of people getting sent, um, or voluntarily like moving into the city to become servants for other households. And it's kind of where we get the idea of a maid, being both like a young unmarried woman and the person who cleans your house. And then in that context, as in this early industrial period of like people not really getting married till their mid thirties, um, you know, when they both had like trades or could give into their own dowries. And I think that's very different than the prevailing cultural narrative that we kind of throw around, you know, on cable news right now. And that was still happening. Young marriages were still happening in in rural areas because you still needed someone to work the farm and you still needed. (laughs) So that, and again, that's, that's always where that definition of community has been so fluid and so flexible. And we have to be really careful to, uh, yeah, it's, it's so important to look at how community has been influenced by marriage and vice versa, but this is more an episode about community. So it's like part of that industrialization meant that cities were getting bigger, meant that people's social circles were expanding and our responsibilities to each other changed, you know? And then that leads us to now where, especially in the United States, like we are so highly individualistic because we were a country whose like founding principles are capitalism and free market and commerce and trade you know, and that really changes how we view not only things like marriage, but how we view this idea of community and what is important to a community. And the, the nuclear family becomes, when social ties have weakened, it becomes the only kind of thing anchoring people, right? And that's where you kind of have this this way that people are kind of sold a bill of goods, that this nuclear family is something that is traditional. And it's very much like not, you know. Yeah, and it's... It's interesting. So kind of the the last century, when we talk about, you know, in the intro, like things changing a lot in the last 40 years, really kind of boils down to this kind of post-World War II push back to like really a single earner. Like I know you ladies enjoyed your time in the factories and running the uh, all important dominant capital or whatever while the boys were off at war. But now we got to put everything back the way it, ha- you know, air quotes should be. And then we do that for a while. And then through the last, through our lifetimes, there's the fight to like, no, like we both should have jobs. We should both have careers. It's important to us. But like at the same time, wages don't increase commensurately. And, and we've kind of put ourselves in like a very, it's an interesting incubator that we're in right now. You know, like and we've stopped uh, send, and we've done things like stop sending children to work, which is great. But then yeah. we've put a price tag on school, which suddenly they need. And it's like there's just no winning. No. <laughs> People are everybody's kind of just drowning. And yeah. the nuclear family has been sold as this sort of life raft and it's absolutely not. Right. And that kind but, of brings us to today, you know, where yeah. like child free people are kind of seen as privileged in a lot of ways because we aren't 
being dragged down by the world's shittiest life raft, the nuclear family. <laughs> right. And, uh, and it's, it's, it, there's both this, you aren't pulling your weight kind of idea, but there's also the like, my God, I wish we could be you, um, that gets thrown our way. And it's very odd. And, you know, I, we're going to sit down and really address how things really changed this year and all the impacts that we've seen, you know, with schooling this fall and everything, um, because that changes things even again. But I think for the most time, for the most this episode, we want to kind of talk a little bit about the before times because things were kind of thrown off before we all got locked in our houses, you know? Um, so if, uh, Tiger, I'll, I'll pause it to you. If family, historically, as we've decentralized from the church or from small rural communities or sometimes still in rural, small rural communities, like, what, what's our role? Like, what do we play um, in that? And I think it kind of breaks down into a couple little different factors. And I think the most, the, the kind of the most Persian one is that we've been sold that these, the, the family unit, the ancestral kind of line of the family unit is the um, ancient storied uh, backbone of all culture. Um, I think the first issue is kind of like, how far away are we from our parents and our siblings and the other children, you know, nieces and nephews that we're directly kind of related to. I am very far away. Um, I'm the other side of the country from them. Uh, and it's it's made things very different. Yeah, I, I think that's part of it, is the distance we can create between us and our immediate families. But I also think it's more like... For me, I'm, I'm still very close to my family, despite we're probably because of the distance. It's much easier for us to love each other when we each have our own separate lives. Sure. Um, and there's also kids who aren't in our family. I think that's the other thing is like, where is child free people? Does our responsibility? What is our place then in culture? Yeah. You know, like if if we're not like, do we have a responsibility and I think that the very sort of American answer is to say, no, they can't. So, yeah, I think part of it is our responsibilities within our families and the distance that is, um, that's there, right. you know, and how much influence we have in that sphere. But also it's like, wh what is our place in the community then? Like, what does that, what does that look like now? Before it looked like, you know, the kind of spinster aunt who might help with the kids or, you know, someone who kind of tended to the parents in their old age because they didn't have a family. They didn't have the future generation, so they tended to the past generation. It was people, I mean, you've talked a lot about um, yeah, sort of people living in monasteries or like finding these cloistered lives, you know? And, and it's like, what's sure. the modern equivalent of that? You know, not not the modern equivalent of like a monastic life, but like what, what, what does it mean to be like child free and contributing to society, especially when tied into it, the idea of like, yeah, it's fucky. yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, for me, so and this, my baseline is, um, very much like, um, my blood relatives, 
are my favorite, and it, the disproportionate amount of my uh, attention uh, monetarily and otherwise is going to go to them first, even if they're on the other side of the country. Um, but like, I don't have to do immediate childcare and emotional labor for them, which is kind of part of the deal, you know, which was kind of part of the, like, I knew that I was going to shift that responsibility slider, um, to like getting them cool presents and giving them a fun place to visit when they're teenagers, um, away from like, you know, going over to their house and watching them for three hours so my sister can run off and run errands or something. Like, that was, you know, not an unconscious decision when I ran off to follow my dreams on the other side of the country. You know, and, my, and you know, my family still, it's even contentious between the fact that, like, my mom and my sister work at the same place and live literally in the same housing development. Like they can look out their back porches and see each other. Oh no. And that is, that is very close. And the other sister and both of them have two kids. The other sister actually lives in our old family home. So she's, you know, 30, 45 minutes down the road, but like in an emergency, in a last minute situation, I can can you come over and watch or whatever? Like, and like, yeah, as a kid, I got, we got dumped off at grandma's. Like my elementary school was walking distance to grandma's and they were just like, walk home to grandma's. We'll pick you up when we're off work, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's very different. So I'm very happy with that arrangement, <laughs> but then it becomes an issue of, okay, so who's kind of around me? And I think the next kind of step outward is kind of then your friends, you know, kind of the, your chosen family, which is something that, um, you know, comes up a lot here and we'll talk a lot about here. Um, and I think a lot of us who moved, uh, far away from home, particularly in our twenties, really found that social structure and enjoyed, you know, everyone had that, uh, very poorly, um, cooked, uh, friends giving when we were 24. Um, you know, and some people haven't like, you know, my, my, some of my sisters never got far away enough from home that they weren't just at mom's dinner table. But all of a sudden, all of our, these, you know, the cool kids, the punk rock rebels who were, you know, going to damn the man all turned 32 years old and were like, Oh shit. And then got married and started having kids. So now I'm like, so Tiger, here's a, here's a random question. How many people ballpark? Cause you're not going to have a hard number. I'm sure refer to you. How many of your friends, kids refer to you as aunt or uncle? Oh gosh. So many of them. Um, yeah. So many of them. <laughs> right. I am, I am honorary, uh, uncle Lee to just, a, a herd of children. The joke was, and I've even, you know, the idea of godparents has been tossed around. And I think that my partner and I have been nominated for that position um, by several people. And we always have to clarify, like, so if you both die in a horrible accident and they're like, whoa. And I'm like, no, no. That's what a godparent is. Like, let's not. I yeah. would never. I would never agree to that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, let's get real. It's like, I appreciate the honorary title here, but. Yeah. 
What are you actually, because we, uh, we often have brunch fantasized about like what happens if all of our friends were on the same cruise ship that got hit by a missile or abducted by aliens or something. And then all of a sudden we cheapered by the dozen ourselves with like every kid that calls us aunt or uncle. <laughs> and it's like, no, my house is, is barely childproof. There's a lot of antique glass and definitely some things you should not put in your mouth. My house is distinctly like, like not childproof. Like it is. Yeah. Yeah. But like a little bit on purpose though. Like, a tiny bit on purpose? Like, I mean, it's not... I mean, it's not intentional, but it's also, like, I... My partner and I are happy to not necessarily have, like, a discovery zone in our house. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, I mean, my my personal office looks a little like a kid's room just because I've worked in children's entertainment for so long and I've amassed a substantial number of toys. But, um, and a lot of SpongeBob art, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, I don't, that's the, like, that's the kicker, right? Is it's like, I don't want children in my immediate life, but I feel a huge responsibility to these kids who do call me Aunt Tiger because I had so many good child free role models growing up, like so many. And those people were so important to like me being able to feel like I had options and that I had freedom to be the person that I am, that I feel this like huge responsibility to be, I don't do gifts. Like I don't, I don't give or receive gifts to anybody in my life, not even children. And so that I don't care about being the cool aunt and like buying people's affection. What I do care about is like, you know, do you know that you have like a safe person to talk to? And do you see sure. all these options that you have in your life? And, and I'm, I, am I, am I enough of a teacher and a role model? Like not in the squeaky clean, good person sense, but like my passion for environmentalism came from a favorite teacher who spent a lot of time doing environmental projects on the side. And she is still to this day unmarried, child-free and has like the coolest collection of large dogs, obviously a person after my own heart. And like, sure. I want to be that. Like, I, that for me is, like, I want to be aspirational to, to kids. And that for me is, like, kind of where I've found this sort of niche in my kind of greater community. You know? Like, I yeah. I take that responsibility, like, really, really, really seriously. And I know mm-hmm. that's... And it's hard. It's hard to articulate that to people because people... There's no middle ground between not wanting and not liking children to like being a parent, but it's like, no, I feel like a great responsibility to our future generations. That's why I'm such an environmentalist. That's why I teach little kids how to be like kind to animals and stuff. But I don't care to have them in my space. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, and it's, it's tougher, you know, I think that it'll be more interesting. Um, you know, a couple of years down the road when all the like toddlers are a little bit more fully formed, you know, um, because I love as a long distance uncle to, um, I will occasionally get the phone call of like, my sister will just be like, look, kids got a bunch of questions about star Wars. I need you to get in here. And I'm like, happy to do it. Or like, look, uh, can, if Dracula is 
bitten by a werewolf, does he turn into werewolf Dracula? And I'm like, let's get into it. I am happy to dive these depths if you do not have the emotional energy to do it. Um, but yeah, it's tougher than, I don't know, uh, particularly now um, at a distance, because when I, you know, every Zoom call I have is after the parenting hour, which is 8 p.m., wherever time zone you're in. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to, you know, fill that role, too, and let them not have to worry about their kids for a minute. Uh, but it's it's made it harder. And, you know, the friends with kids have moved. They've almost resegregated, you know, to the valley or to some far-off suburban you know, I mean, to be f- house neighborhood. To be fair, I kind of did that too. That's true, which is why, like, again, like, but like, I'm still on the tenth floor, uh, in the middle of downtown, and I'm happy to be See, here. I, you know, so and it's, I'm such a like, I'm such a, I'm such an extrovert, and I'm such a community based creature that it's like, of course, true. I would end up in, like, a country suburb in the Bible Belt because that's where I can do the most good and hug the most people and like show the most options to being a good person and living a life that yeah. doesn't involve Jeebus and children. Like, <laughs> Sure. It's so funny. I, th- there's always this thing in the back of my head where it's, it's more like um, I'm happy to veil that in a certain amount of mystery and just be like, I'll swoop in and take your kid to their first rated R movie when they're like 14. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'm happy to do more like to, to, and again, oh. transparency is probably the road to acceptance. But like, you know, the the great aunts and uncles in my life um, who were the child-free examples for me would swoop in on holidays or take us for like a week in the summer and just get it all in, you know, in very short, intense bursts. So I have already said to my sisters, like in a world where we can all uh, openly spit on each other again, um, that like, yeah, when 14, 15, send the kid out here. I'll keep him for a week. See, you know what I mean? I'll take him, I'll take him to Disneyland and uh, show him a good time and then send him and home. And I'm so the opposite uh, of that because from 8 to 23, people are not human. <laughs> right. Like, I, I hated that point in my life. I love little kids. I, you know, I walk around my neighborhood with a giant dog, so they all know me. It's like, and sure. it's the greatest joy in my life. I have an army of small people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but once they start to molt, you're oh, out of gross. there. Oh, gross, yeah. No, so, and I don't talk to college, like, I don't talk to junior high, high school, or college students. They gross me out. <laughs> so we're, you know, we've got the immediate family. We've got kind of our found family friends as the next kind of shell out. The next one you've already kind of alluded to is kind of um, the neighbors, the neighborhood. And we've kind of alluded to it, but again, like, you're very like pro neighbor. I'm very, very like... pro community. I think that the more we can bust out of the capitalist nightmare that is the nuclear family and American individualism, I think the happier we become. That it's like truly my passion in life. I think that the more we can rely on one another and stick it to capitalism and become more of a local kind of trade based, grassroots, know your neighbor, love your neighbor world, the, the happier we are. That's amazing. I have no clue who most of my neighbors are in the building. (laughs) 
We got to know I the guy that lives next door because he, as yourself, uh oh, um, he runs like a party place that would play music very loudly. So we got to know him because at some point we had to like just like bite the bullet and like, well, uh, I guess we'll go over there with like a bottle of wine and knock on the door and be like, hey. <laughs> But, but honestly, it was just so at four in the morning on a Saturday, we could just be like, dude, whoever's Airbnb being your place, tell them to shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? Like, that was a large part of that. Ah, I don't know. Yeah, I've been in this building for uh, seven years. I know some of the kids. I've watched a couple of the kids grow up. Uh, I am weirdly in awe of them. There's a, a pair of sisters that I think live on five um, who I see walk their dog, um, and they're the most brilliant, like, urban-raised, like, they will survive the apocalypse. You know what I mean? Like, they're ready. Like, they'll just walk out, earbuds on, head down, into a sea of homeless people, and just be like, I'm good, bro, and just, like, keep walking their dog, and... It's inspiring to me, but I do not know their names, and I have never said more than a, hey, how you doing to them. It's one thing to grow up, like, in your 20s and have, like, the closest place to get a Coke to you be a head shop, but it's another thing to have lived there your entire life. So, yeah, uh, I don't, I haven't met any of my neighbors. I think the extent of it is, like, we have a couple of friends that used to live in our building, uh, and there's a, a, a particularly catty um, social media group uh, that we are on that's mostly about, like, what sort of shenanigans are going on from the college kids that occasionally rent rooms and then disappear six months later. Um, but yeah, again, a little bit by choice, right? Like I could, if I had more open arms, I could move to the end of a cul-de-sac, I suppose. I'm on like the corner um, of the end of the cul-de-sac. I The one street leads to an elementary school and the other street is in fact a dead end cul-de-sac and I'm in the corner a lot. Whoa, whoa. Hmm. <laughs> so then that kind of leaves because, yeah, I just don't. It's funny, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, so the last kind of non-family group kind of that really keeps us in interaction with people over kind of swaths. But some of these we don't really you just mentioned one we don't really have access to our kind of local schools, churches, community organizations, and and then ultimately, as we've kind of reshifted towards like a very capitalist base, mm-hmm. is work, right? The work healthcare, the work picnic. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, have you, I mean, it's the worst, you haven't really lived in your new neighborhood longer than, uh, you know, in in, since Every, you everything know, shut the whole down world two weeks took after a we shit. Got here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, are your intentions to um, creepily drive very slowly around the elementary school, Tiger? Um, once things are back up and running. Sorry, I shouldn't. Again, we get enough yeah, stigma about that shit anyway. I shouldn't perpetuate well, it's it. It's funny but, because when I was, it, I joke about not talking to anyone between the ages of eight and 23, but one of the things that I did a lot of in Los Angeles was volunteer with animal rescue groups. So I actually dealt with a lot of young people that were getting their volunteer hours for like National Honor Society or for whatever respective 
high school groups and extracurricular activities they were involved in. So, and it was, it was honestly really fun and really neat to be able to teach them because a lot of them have like gone on to vet tech school or they're just, you know, they're good pet owners and they, I mean, it's so cool to see kids who take social responsibility seriously. You know, the ones that showed up and came not just to clock their hours, but because they cared, they're really special. And like, I want to make sure that they know that, you know, so that they continue to pursue that as they get older. And I think here, I mean, I, I would love to get involved with local scouting groups and stuff, especially because my goal is to have land and, and to, you know, be involved in more like sustainability and homesteading movements and stuff. I'd, I would happily teach like a group of Girl Scouts how to beekeep, you know, that would be such a great joy. And I, because I, I think it's really helpful and I think it's helpful for them to see someone who isn't a parent who is willing to invest in them. I think that can make you feel really special as a young person. And yeah, I mean, and and in my day to day, like I've, I've actually, you know, I've gotten to know some of like on zoom calls and stuff, some of my colleagues, kids and everything. And it's just, it's nice because they take an effort and they know, you know, I don't have kids to get to know, but it's nice to be acknowledged or that they kind of know my husband's name. And, And especially because we have been so isolated since we've moved it's honestly been such a relief to be plugged in and kids tend to like knowing, like seeing the neighborhood kids and stuff and, and having a dog who's always kind of on a six foot leash. So it's really easy to create that social distance. Sometimes that's the only conversation I get in a day. Yeah. <laughs> so I take it where I can get it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, I, all of that sounds for lovely. Me, I clearly not um, for you, but I, that's just, I don't, I mean, we had a almost in the style of like the old um, period piece uh, sign for work accidents, you know, had a sign that said uh, days since we last saw a child that we did not know. And the number we were in double digits and it was great for and it still kind of is not (laughs) the worst thing. It's really not. Um. So, yeah, it does, you know, because I did grow up very plugged into the church. You know, I think I've talked about the way that some of those non-parental people in my life had uh, somehow occasionally gave me the best advice. Yeah. Uh, Things that I have have really stuck with me um, are people who were, you know, Boy Scout commanders, you know, folks at church, musicians, dramatists that I was with and all manner of productions and choirs and bullshit. Um, So I do, there's a desire in some ways to give back to that. And I feel like I would be very willing to do that with like my nieces and nephews where I closer to them. But it's just the mystery children. I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't and you know we have to make them little you know lit up anti-capitalists liberals or we're just gonna get stuck in the handmaid's tale or something i don't want just like li- i don't want just liberals we have i to... want a bunch of little leftists i want some like hardcore commie like little baby marxists up in my shit you know sure i'm gonna i'm gonna arm the puny proletariat so we get... i'm just... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would never. This is, yeah, don't, don't give children guns. That's horrible. 
Yeah, we're not in any way advocating for child soldiers on our podcast. So yeah, I and and then the weird thing is we've created a system now where work is supposed to be is supposed to fill all of those needs and where we get all of those interactions and then all of a sudden like that's a thing too. Like I think that we're you know, in a lot of pieces, we'll dive really into this in the, in the post-COVID episode, but uh, there's a lot of shuffling of responsibility and shuffling of, uh, you know, I need this, I can't do this, I can't perform this, what about them, they don't have kids, can't they do it? Spoken and unspoken chicanery that's happening right now. But it's like, but at some point it's like, I'm I'm here to get paid, we can all be nice to each other. Or not, but like this is, I might get some sort of fulfillment out of this, but I'm here for a paycheck and I don't actually like have any sort of responsibility to you people, theoretically. I mean, of course I want to create a sense of community at work because they are people I see every day, but it's not because... I have, we've talked about this, I have like very limited professional ambitions. It's really just because I want to make my days nicer. And I, you know, it's it's more because yeah. I fundamentally believe everyone deserves to be treated as a human, not like, oh, you're my coworker and let's, you know, I can get ahead kind of thing, you know, but it is, it is weird because it also is, I like, it is so important to have that separation. I like keeping that separation because my job, I am very much a work to live person. I would love to be able to get off the grid enough that I don't have to work. Um <laughs> A, a traditional job, you know? So yeah, it's, it's dumb and it's weird. And what, yeah. So it's, it's very, i love for all of the commonalities that we have, how very differently, uh, we kind of fall on this one. Like it, it <laughs> makes me very happy. Um, just to know that you are, uh, very happy to engage in the community and want to create spaces to, um, show off the glorious benefits of the lifestyle that we are embracing. And I, my partner and I are much happier to lead by example and just to like be dress cool, act weird, you know, answer questions, um, about the Cthulhu mythos, um, and be there to help out once they're legal and we can take them places more interesting. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Any, any last impassioned thoughts? Tiger? I just can't wait for my army of Southern mini Marxists. <laughs> oh my God. Plant the seeds. So I think this is the time. <laughs> Dear friends, but the uniforms, it's really the uniforms. Uh, People are going to be so confused. Um, (laughs) Where I think we need uh, to hear from you. Uh, Where do you see yourself fitting into the communities around you? Do you even know the names of your neighbors? Uh, What responsibilities do you feel to the kids in your life? Be there close by or not? Uh, City mouse, country mouses. Uh, should we all just make 
uh, child-free monastery city-states, which I'm not opposed to, frankly. We can build up the walls. It'll be some sort of uh, Gibsonian corporate walled city. We can all just live there. Truly sounds like I don't hate truly it. sounds like my hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts, your stories, your questions. Uh, questions at notjustsleepingin.com. Um, hilarious. I love you so profoundly. <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> Um, with that, until next week, I'm Tiger. Uh, and I'm Lee. Spread love. Live your damn truth. And of course, have, have fun, fun sleeping, sleeping in. in. Ugh, bye. <laughs> Raise up the army. Bye.